Now we are coming to the end of this chain breaker series. I know that a lot of you all have enjoyed and been enriched by this chain breaker series. And uh, it's just reminding you that we serve the God of the breakthrough. Wherever you are right now is not where you're going to be. Whatever you're stuck in right now is not your destiny. There's a saying in the South, I hear it all the time. I hear people say, it is what it is. Well, you understand that the Bible's got something to say about that. Because with Jesus, it isn't what it is. Whatever is right now is not what it will be. That sickness will not end in death. That disease is not going to end up in disability. That prodigal will come home. That provision you need will be provided. It isn't what it is. He's the God of the breakthrough. And so this is week eight in this series. And even in talking to Pastor Jabin this week, I felt so compelled to just put a little exclamation mark on what's been explored, the sound of breakthrough and the soil of breakthrough and the how of breakthrough. And I felt the Holy Spirit lay a fresh word on my heart for City Light specifically at the end of this series. And it's about now waiting for your breakthrough. You've received the promise, the breakthrough is coming, but that in-between space is called waiting. How many people know that feeling of waiting for a breakthrough? Come on, everyone knows the feeling. And it is important for us, dare I say, imperative for us as a faith community to biblically, to correctly process through the season of waiting for a breakthrough. Because this season of waiting can become a place where disappointment and doubt fester, where hope deferred makes your heart and your soul sick. But I speak this out in the name of Jesus, that the promises that have been stirred over the last seven weeks will be held onto tightly as you go through this season of waiting, knowing Jesus closely. And you're getting to the other side. But first, where is he in the waiting? So we'll talk about that for a couple of moments. In about 31 minutes time, we're going to see someone who is far away from Jesus, turn their face towards Jesus, only to find that Jesus has been smiling at them the whole time. And we're going to see people cross over from death into life. And then two minutes after that, we're going to go out there and stand in 100 mile per hour winds and hug. That's the reason I brought my foundation colored shirt today. Because I want to get all marked up by all the makeup in this room. Lord Jesus... Help us understand exactly where you are and what you're up to as we're waiting for our breakthrough. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you so much, brother. Come put your hands together for our band and keyboard people. I hate waiting. Hate waiting. Not here to declare that I'm a super early guy to anything. In fact, you early people stress me out. 
You have anyone in your life who's one of those people who were raised like 10 minutes early is late? Point them out. If you have those people in your life, point them out right now. Chill, bro. Chill. All right? Just because you learned that as an athlete growing up, don't put that on me. Okay? Five o'clock means five o'clock. So chill. I'm a buzzer beater kind of guy. I'm like, if the meeting is at five o'clock, three, two, one, shazam, that's me. I like, if it says five o'clock, I'm there, five o'clock, I'm a literal guy. People who make me wait stress me out. Where, where are my late people? Point them out in this room. In general, City Light is a place of no shame. But for the next 10 seconds, let's turn into a house of shame. Point them out right now. Who are the, who are the latest people in your lives? Point them out. She's like self-confessing over here. Come on, point them out. The people who like, when it's like dinner at 6.30, you start thinking about getting ready at 6.30. You know what I'm saying? And, and like, like, they're the ones who like, you're at the restaurant at 6.30 and, and you just be waiting and you just can't wait any longer. So you start ordering some appetizers and they show up like 7.45 and start eating your appetizers. People who make me wait stress me out because logically I must assume one of two things. Either you want to be on time, but you can't be on time. And that makes me feel sorry for you. It makes me feel like I need to step in and help you out with life just a little bit. It stresses me out. The other logical conclusion could be you could be on time, but you don't care to be on time. You're telling me that your time is more important than my time. And we got an issue. <laughs> Has God made you wait? Has God made you wait before? Because you understand that the same logic is going on. We don't talk about it publicly. We don't write songs about it. We don't print t-shirts about it. But all of us in a season of waiting are logically concluding a couple of things. Either God can do something, but he won't do anything. And that leaves us in a disappointed place. Hey God, you healed this person. Hey God, you brought that person's child home. Hey God, you supplied that job for that individual. Hey God, I heard the story of that shrunken cancer or that provided job. That's great that everybody gets their breakthrough, but how about mine? Why are you sitting on your hands? You can, but you won't. Let's be real right now. Or the other logical conclusion for a lot of people is he wants to, but he can't. There's a lot of stuff going on in the world. There's a lot of craziness in the earth. And he must be overwhelmed with all the things on his to-do list that he'd love to get to my situation, but he really can't right now. Hey, there's a, there's a medical situation going on. There's a, a dream that feels like it's died. There's a provision that we are begging for and that we're aching for. And he really wants to do something, but he can't. And that leaves you in a place of doubt. Where in the quiet of your soul, you ask this question. I know you want to, but can you do something here? Disappointment and doubt. Doubt and disappointment will destroy your soul will hijack your journey on your way to breakthrough. And I'm here simply to do one simple thing, to present to you this deep held belief that neither of those logical conclusions are true. 
that God is up to something very deliberate in your season of waiting for a breakthrough. It's not that he can and won't or wants to and can't. No, there is something going on in this season of waiting for your breakthrough that I promise you in the grand scheme of eternity, when you get to look back at this season of waiting, you will thank God for it unlike any other season. So here's the question. Okay, Big Dan, it's obvious you've done a lot of bench press since the last time that we've caught up, but you're still neglecting your legs. How? Do I process this season of waiting? I've been through it. I've gone to Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals. I've been on my knees asking for a breakthrough. I know there's a promise, but now waiting for months and months and months has me asking in the depths of my soul, are you really gonna do anything? Hey, Dan, you're right. I moved to Vegas for a fresh start. We believe that there was something new, something promised from God for us, but it feels like the old stale air we breathe in the city that we came from. Where's this fresh start? We've stepped out in faith, but where is the breakthrough? Anyone here sick and tired of praying for a breakthrough in their relationship? You're believing for a healing in your marriage or maybe the birth of a relationship you're looking for that person who complete me and you're, you're on your, and you're begging God, I wanna see the breakthrough, but the silence in the meantime. The good news is every time you have a question of God, you don't have to wonder or ponder. You don't have to die in the desert of doubt or disappointment, but you can turn to the scriptures, the living word of God, and it gives us insight into every season of our journey. And as I was reflecting on that question this week, the Holy Spirit led me to a portion of Scripture in John chapter 11. If you have your Bibles, would you go with me there? So John chapter 11. John chapter 11 is found after John chapter 10. Not a deep... It feels like you have to like, like flex some theological muscle and that's just math. But John chapter 11... And, and John chapter 11 tells a story of a time where Jesus left... Some friends and his disciples waiting. And the questions that you're asking, they asked. The feelings of frustration that have flowed through your soul for the longest period of time flowed through theirs. But now as we look at this story with a 35,000 foot view, we see what Jesus was up to in this season of waiting leading up to a breakthrough. And I hope and pray that these realities would be shaped into faith declarations that you would boom with your lips and live out with your lives and that you would power through in the name of Jesus this season of waiting that you are walking through leading to your breakthrough, amen? John chapter 11 and verse one, the Bible says, now a man named Lazarus was sick. He was from Bethany, the village of Mary and her sister Martha. This Mary, whose brother Lazarus now lay sick, was the same one who poured perfume on the Lord and wiped his feet with her hair. So the sisters sent word to Jesus, Lord, the one you love is sick. When he heard this, Jesus said, this sickness will not end in death. No, it is for God's glory 
so that God's son may be glorified through it. Now Jesus loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. So when he heard that Lazarus was sick, he stayed where he was two more days. For the sake of time, let me tell you the rest of the story is the disciples sat down and asked Jesus the question, hey, Lazarus is not well. The the word has been sent. Martha and Mary have made it really, really clear that this is an urgent situation. We got to go quick. We don't know why we're sitting here right now. Jesus says, don't worry, later you'll understand. A couple of days pass and then Jesus says, okay, let's go now. By this time, Lazarus had passed. The disciples, again, were confused about the timing. Why are we going now? Shouldn't we have gone before? They make their way down to Bethany. And now Lazarus had been dead a couple of days. And Martha, filled with grief, overwhelmed with disappointment, meets Jesus at the city gates. They have this conversation where Martha expresses to Jesus her disappointment. We sent word, and if you only came in time, my brother would be laying dead in a tomb right now. And then Jesus lovingly lets Martha know something he wants to let you know this weekend, that I'm the resurrection and the life. What you see as the final scene is not the final scene because I'm the writer, the director, the producer, the star of this movie, and the final credits don't get to roll until I say they roll, and they ain't rolling yet. I know it seems that way, but it's not that way. And then Martha sends word to Mary, her sister. And Mary finds Jesus too. Too overwhelmed with grief. Expresses the same things that Martha expressed. You gave us your promise. We've seen your power. Read between the lines. You've stayed at our house so many times, we've overheard the stories of the blind eyes that were opened, the deaf people who can hear again, the dead people who have raised again. And you did that for randoms. We're your best friends. Why did you let us down? Then the shortest verse in all of the Bible is recorded. The Bible says, Jesus wept. Then Jesus asks the sisters, take me down to where Lazarus lays. They went to the local graveyard. And to that tomb, Jesus would boom. Lazarus come out. And a dead man rose again. His grave clothes were stripped away. But more about that later. I want to know what we learn from this season of waiting that Jesus' friends had to go through while they walk towards their breakthrough. If you're scribbling down notes, you can pull out your leather-bound journals and your pens right now. I say this all the time. I'm not saying you need to take notes to get into heaven. I always just say, why take a chance? You know what I'm saying? Just have as much stuff written down as possible. There might be a pop quiz. No, that's not true at all, but it's helpful. Um, If you're looking for some like faith declarations to put on any spare space in your thigh, you know, with that tattoo artist that you've grown close to, this might be some stuff that you might want to consider. 
What's happening between the here and the breakthrough? What's happening in this season of waiting? How does Jesus help us process through the disappointment and the doubt that's destroying the fabric of our souls as we know the breakthrough is down the road, but it feels a million miles away? What is this story telling us about what Jesus is up to while we're in the waiting? Well, point number one, you can write this one down. You can understand that he is on the way. If you walk away with nothing else this morning, as you finish up this chain breaker breakthrough series, as you wait for your breakthrough, this is what I want to have. Resonate deep within your soul. He is on the way. As you sit in the darkness asking, where is the light? He is on the way. As you're sitting in that doctor's office trying to process another bad report, I want you to know he is on the way. As you sit alone on a Saturday night asking the question, will I find someone to journey with in this life? Am I loved? He is on the way. As you stand on your front porch asking the question, will my teenage daughter or teenage son come home? He is on the way. As you as a couple look at your pregnancy test another month and ask the question, will this break our hearts or will our hearts swell with joy? Oh, he is on the way. He's on the way. We see that in verse four because Jesus declares at the beginning, this will not end in death. What you see with your eyes is but one dimension of what's really happening. This will not end in death. It may seem like it's gonna end in death, but it's not ending in death. This will end in Father God, the Son of God as well, being glorified. He is on the way. Now that's difficult. Because this means that God's timing is not your timing. In fact, a lot of the stress, a lot of the turmoil of your soul, uh, soul, a lot of the pain in your journey is connected to this errant belief that somehow God operates to your schedule. And you think this seems like a reasonable amount of time, so therefore it should happen in this time frame. Here's a newsflash. God does not see time the way you see time. And thank Him for that. Because if everything ran to your time, you and we would be in a lot of trouble. Because we are two-dimensional. We see a little bit of what's unfolding. We can see what's gone behind. We don't see things the way God sees things. And He's just trying to let His disciples know as He's trying to let us know that a lot of your frustration and a lot of your pain and a lot of your starting your walk towards breakthrough but not finishing your walk towards breakthrough comes from this misunderstanding that your time is not His time. He sits outside of time. I love Pastor Jabin as he taught on this the other week. He sits outside of time. He started it. He can create it. He holds it. While you find yourself in this season of waiting, keep on declaring your time, not mine. I'm an old man now. I'm 48 years of age. Turned 48 this week. 
feel great. I know I don't look great. I know I don't. Do I look great? Because I don't feel it right now. You know what I'm saying? For years and years and years, as I traveled around, told people how old I was. Like last year, I was 47. How old are you, Dan Leanne? 47. No way, you're 47. I got it for a whole year. I've been 48 for one week. I've told like a bunch of people, I'm 48. People, I can see that. I can see you're 48 now. <laughs> but I've done enough laps of this son to know that a lot of my frustration with God and a lot of the disappointment and the doubt that rises up in my heart is more connected to my errant, like my errant belief that, that things should operate to my time. And can I just propose to you that as a humanity, we have never been in a time where we have wanted time to go as fast as we do right now? Because as, as two-dimensional beings, we have a proclivity to always thinking that God is slow on his time because to him, one day is like a million years. A million years is like a day. He sees things in a continuum. For us, we are in the here and the now. We're thinking, we'll be waiting for a week. About now, it would be great. So we as a humanity are knit together by this common thread. And it's the story of the scriptures that we have always wanted to rush God. And to think that, hey, you know what? You've forgotten about us because you're slow on your time. But what exacerbates the pain for us as a humanity is that we've never been as impatient as a people as we are right now. Remember the old days when you wanted to buy something, you had to research it? And then you call up a shop like a Walmart or a Target to work out if it was in stock. And then you drive out and you'd buy that thing and you'd drive back. No longer. You know, prime same day is our reality. Come on. Remember the old days? Is anyone old enough to know the TV show The A-Team? The A-Team. Remember? Remember that one? Okay. So, oh, you might understand this. Back in the day, there were TV sets. <laughs> and you had to, like, with your family, wait till, like, 7.30 on a Wednesday night and sit around this TV set to watch, like, an episode of a TV show. And sometimes the TV show would, like, be amazing, but then would leave you at the end. Tune in next week as, and, and say, oh! And then you like, basically have to, like, set in your calendars, come back next week, ba ba ba. You're just living in this, this, Newton, this Netflix reality, you know what I'm saying? You can't even wait for the next episode tab to go all the way. You gotta click that thing, you can't even wait. <laughs> but can you see what's happening? That you bear a burden unlike any human beings who have gone before you, that not only do we think that God is running slow on things, but we think things should go faster than ever. He's on the way in his time by his grace for his glory for maximum recognition for his hand he's on the way i love the names of god jehovah jireh the god who provides jehovah rapha the god who heals jehovah shalom the lord who is my peace there's also a name that he has in the Old Testament, Jehovah Mephalti, which means the Lord who delivers on time. UPS is going to be running late sometimes. FedEx will run late sometimes. USPS, like USPS, like they definitely going to run late on you sometimes. But Jesus is always right on time. He's on the way. 
Turn to your neighbor and let him know he's on the way. Just let him, he's on the way. Turn to your other neighbor and say, hey, second choice, he's on the way. He's on the way. Point number two, just write this one down. He's present in your pain. He's present in your pain. So as you're waiting, guess what? He feels it. He doesn't belittle you. He doesn't tease you. He doesn't ye of little faith you. He is present in your pain. How do we know that? Because in verse 35, we have the shortest delineated verse. Jesus wept. He interacts with Martha and with Mary as they bring their frustrations to Jesus. Side note, when you're in a season of waiting, make sure you bring your frustrations to Jesus because you're going to take your frustration somewhere. Don't take it to that substance. Don't take it to that inappropriate relationship. Don't take it to that website. Don't take, you know what I'm saying? Don't take it down to the strip. You know what I'm saying? I got, hey, they took it to Jesus. They expressed their pain to Jesus, which is called lamenting. That, that's another talk for another day. And in the midst of it, Jesus doesn't give them like a pat, hey, here's a little motivational quote that you can put up on your bathroom mirror and just to get you, get you. no, no, no. Jesus weeps. Why? Why did Jesus cry? Did he feel overwhelmed? No, he didn't feel overwhelmed for he is Alpha, the Omega, the beginning and the end, the first and the last, the firstborn over all creation through whom everything was made, for whom everything was made, in whom everything is held together. He wasn't overwhelmed. He's literally got the whole world in his hands. He wasn't overwhelmed. Why did he cry? Was he sad? Maybe he just felt like, oh, I'm going to miss Lazarus so much. No, Lazarus was going to rise again in a handful of minutes. So he didn't cry because he was missing Lazarus. Why did he cry? I propose to you he cried because his friends cried. Actually, that picture is drawn that he finds himself at the edge of this graveyard, Martha, Mary, and all of his friends in this region of Bethany, and they're weeping and mourning together. And Jesus wept too. I've been asked this question so many times throughout my years as a pastor. Where is Jesus when I cry? Does he see my pain? Does he know my tears? Here is your answer. He feels it too. I suppose it's the fallout of being the God who is the great I am. He's not the God of back in the day when things were better. He's not the God of one day when everything gets sorted out. He's the God of right here, right now. I am. God's a sympathetic cryer. Think about that. I'm a sympathetic cryer. When I'm at a movie, and everyone be crying around me? In general, not a crier, but if you start going, I'm going to go too. <laughs> I cried in the Barbie movie somehow. <laughs> I was with Caitlin and my, my daughter and my wife, and we're there, and they're like kind of getting in their feels, and I'm like, oh my goodness, I'm trying to stop the tears. You know when you try to stop the tears, you do this one. <laughs> or you do this one. Like makes it worse. 
As you're waiting for your breakthrough, remember he promises that he's on the way, he will deliver, and in the meantime, he knows the pain. He knows the frustration. He knows the fallout from living in a fragmented, fractured world. And he is present in your pain. But thirdly and lastly, I want you to get this. He wants to remind you he still gets the final say. While you find yourself in this season of waiting, be reminded that he still gets the final say. I love how here in verse 43, the Bible says, here we have a group of Jesus' friends Mary and Martha, close to Jesus. Lazarus, one of his best friends. The disciples, day one guys, just hanging out with Jesus. A small town who would have definitely interacted with Jesus multiple times as they went back and forth into Jerusalem. And they're all standing in this graveyard looking at a tomb. Lazarus laid in there four days dead. It seemed like all was lost. That the breakthrough was now an impossibility. That Jesus had messed up his timing and now the miracle is fading away. But Jesus reminds us like he reminded them. He gets the final say. Because what happens here? He just looks at the tomb. And he declares, hey, Lazarus, come out. And something which was dead <gasps> was revived. Something that was dormant. <gasps> now active again. Why? Because Jesus, in this season, I speak it out, always gets the final say. That's the reason Jesus had to be very deliberate in calling Lazarus for out, out of the tomb to yell Lazarus in particular. Because you know what would happen if Jesus just went into a random graveyard and just yelled the words, get out? <laughs> Every dead thing would have woken up. A real deal zombie apocalypse. Remember Michael Jackson's thriller? This all... so powerful, come on, is the word of Jesus over every season. Death does not get the final say. Cancer doesn't get the final say. Divorce won't get the final say. Betrayal won't get the final say. Come on, bankruptcy won't get the final say. Disease doesn't get the final say. Craziness in the earth will not get the final say. 
Jesus always gets the final say. Heartbreak won't get the final say. Disappointment will not get the final say. Jesus gets the final say. Can someone say a good amen to that? I'm just trying to help my City Light family as you walk out of this series towards your breakthrough. Because some of you all are going to have to walk a path of waiting. But as you wait, remember, he's on the way. He's present in your pain. And he'll get the final say. Come on. He's on the way. He's present in your pain. And he will get the final say. Come on, praise him in this room if you believe that with all of your heart.